At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey, hoop ballers, are you into sports betting? Do you want to know why a certain game has a funky line? Well, HoopBall has you covered. Today in sports betting is a great addition to all your handicapping questions with hosts Ira Silver and Devin Ellington. We break down game lines and future bets on all sports and try to make some money along the way. Follow us on Twitter at HoopBallGaming, at Ira Silver Magic, and at D-A-L-E-007. And download Today in Sports Betting in the App Store, Google Play, and available on Spotify. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Oh, baby, we are back here on the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Greg Mraz, your host as always, and I am pleased to be joined by Dead Prez of the Two podcasts, I should say, the Pulling Back the Curtain podcast and his brand new show, The Bear Essentials, focusing on the Chicago Bears. He's a Chicago guy. We love him. You know him. He's been on the program before. Good to have you, Prez. Man, thanks for having me back, Greg. How you been, brother? I, you know, I got to say, I woke up. So I'm West Coast based. You're in Chicago. I woke up on Friday morning and my phone had at least 10 messages on it. Most in celebration. And I and, and given everything that has gone wrong in the world, given everything that's going on, and I won't even go into a full extent of it, to see that the Bulls made the right decision to me was extremely encouraging. So my reaction was they finally did it because I was worried for a while based on some of the reporting from Joe Cowley of the Sun-Times that they were going to keep him because of what Jerry Reinsdorf said the Bulls were dealing with financially. What was your initial reaction when you heard the news of Boylan's firing? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I was under the same uh, fear that you had, Greg. I really thought that the financial implications of firing him were going to prevent AK and, and, and Eversley from making the move. So I was very happy that they did it. But I think the first reaction I had was this was right up there with some of the greatest moments in Bulls history for me. I mean, firing Boylan, that it made my whole freaking weekend. I was like so happy. Um, this guy, he was a, I just hate to say this about a man, but he was a joke. And I think for us to have any sort of shot in that 2021 free agency, we had to get somebody else in that seat. So I was ecstatic. I think a lot of Bulls fans had the frustration that they didn't do it immediately because Eversley and Karnishevis have this big co- press conference saying that they're going to be a player's first organization, which is not something that was the case under Gar Foreman and John Paxson. So they say all of that, and then you hear all of the griping from Zach Levine. You see that Twitch session with Daniel Gafford basically saying, <laughs> he's like, Boylan, he aight. I, I <laughs> laughed at that because after the, the Dallas game incident, I'm like, Daniel Gafford is probably the last person that's going to stick up for Jim Boylan. 
I think people were worried because they waited so long to do this, but at the same time, Friday technically was the end of the NBA regular season. So in reality, in a weird sort of way, this was right on schedule. I just think that having it drawn out as long as it did got people really worried. Yeah, I mean, I was one of those individuals. I was very worried. But I think at the same time, I still gave AK the benefit of the doubt because I figured that he was going to be methodical with this situation. So um, he obviously has some sort of a plan. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. But this is a great step. (laughs) Terry Bevington of the Chicago White Sox comes to mind as maybe one of the worst coaches in the history of Chicago sports Boylan's got to be up there as well. Like if you had a Mount Rushmore of bad Chicago sports coaches, and I'm going to include college in this, I'm going with, and and I don't know who I'm going to take for my fourth. I'm going with Terry Bevington, (laughs) Jim Boylan, probably got to go Tim Beckman, the former head coach at Illinois, because he was an abject disaster. He was brutal. And and then I'm going to have to go – Oh, this is a tough one because my alma mater, Northwestern, has had some questionable basketball coaches, but I got to go with Kevin O'Neill in the early 2000s who had some really bad Northwestern teams and yet still got jobs at Arizona and USC afterward. Uh, Any difference on your Mount Rushmore bad coaches? And the only reason I bring that up is that Jim Boylan was so bad, he deserves to be on there. I think he deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore all, all on his own, but I would add Mark Tressman to that list. You know uh, what? I'm going to pull Kevin O'Neill off of mine. Mark Tressman, I was blanking on that. Probably the worst coach in the history of the Chicago Bears. Yeah, it, it was It was a shame. <laughs> it was a shame. I mean, look at what he wasted that defense. I mean, he, he was brutal. He was brutal. <laughs> Not only wasted the defense, the defense got terrible. You know, he had Mel Tucker come in as a fired defensive coordinator from the Jaguars, and by the way, Mel Tucker is the head coach of Michigan State. How the hell did that happen? And they had, like, bottom three pass defense, both of Tressman's two years. And the first year, they could have won the division, except Chris Conti gets beat over the top by, was it Randall Cobb? It was Randall Cobbs. Yeah, Bro- broke the top off the defense, man. <laughs> I, man. Still, I still have nightmares over that play. But anyways, Perez, <laughs> we're talking bulls here. I'm sure that there's a lot of Bears issues that we could get into as well. But I'm looking at what's going on in the NBA bubble and how AK and Eversley have approached this process of starting the rebuild. It seems to me that based on all the gripes that players had with Boylan, and the decision to move on from him, it clearly says that the Bulls are in a position to where they are willing to build with this core. Now, today is Tuesday. Two days from now, you're going to have the NBA draft lottery where, of course, the Bulls are going to be in line to be seventh, which it seems like they've had the seventh pick for, like, ever during this rebuild after Tom Thibodeau. So... I look at what AK and Eversley are doing, and they're saying we're committing to at least the core four. I think the core four that you have at this point are Kobe White, Zach Levine, Laurie Markin, and maybe less so, and Wendell Carter Jr. And then whoever ends up being your pick, and I think it's going to end up being a point guard. To me, by moving on from Boylan, they're saying – We're going to bring in our guy to develop these guys that we feel like can be a really talented group of players. And I I think about all four of them at their maximum potential. 
Levine, not as a point guard, but as an off guard. Kobe White learning how to handle the point and run an offense. Laurie Markkinen getting back into what he was in his first two years. And Wendell Carter Jr. actually getting to shoot a little bit more. This team is a couple of pieces away from being a solid contending team for a playoff spot and then building it up more from there. Yeah, especially in that Eastern Conference. I mean, yeah, there's, there's no reason why we can't be a 7 or 8 seed next season, you know. I agree with you wholeheartedly in that regard. So I am looking at what the Bulls are going to do draft-wise. And I actually had Adam Stanko from the Rejecting the Screen podcast on, and he told me that he expects the Bulls to go either point guard or big man. And I think that the draft lottery is really going to indicate where exactly the Bulls are going to go with this pick. If it's a big man, I like Onyeko Okongwu from USC, and I know that you, me, Novak, and Jules have talked about that when I had you guys on the show a little bit earlier on. I'm a big Okongwu guy. Mm -hmm. But I honestly feel like you need to have a true point guard. And in that sense, then whoever this new coach is, you run a three-guard offense with that point guard, Levine and Kobe White because I just don't think at this point that Kobe White is a true point guard nor does nor does he want to be a true point guard no I, I don't think that's his game to me uh, Kobe White's a, a poor man's Ben Gordon I mean when Ben Gordon was on the Bulls I mean that was instant offense and you've seen when Kobe White when 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 the coaching staff let him do what he does best he went on a tear especially before uh, the NBA season shut down, Kobe White was playing some of the best basketball um, of, of, of the season. And so I'm very encouraged by him. But I really think uh, with a guy like that, I don't know if he's a true point. I mean, maybe, you know, with, they can work on him and help him with his ball skills. But, man, I, I just feel like that guy's so dynamic. He's so quick, explosive first step. And, I mean, he has a really good shot. So a, a guy like that, I mean, he just reminds me of a poor man's uh, Ben Gordon. I agree with you in that sense, and I think Kobe White is going to continue to get better. He's a guy that is probably the most dynamic athlete of anybody that you have on this roster. The one thing is, at least for this upcoming season, you're not going to have a whole lot of flexibility. There's no way that you're going to be able to get rid of Otto Porter Jr. You're just going to have to let that contract expire and just have him work within the confines of whatever you do. Get ready for 2021. But I think that this upcoming draft, is going to give the Bulls their identity moving forward. And I think that goes into our head coaching search. And before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Support for the Hoopball Chicago Bulls podcast and the Hoopball Network is brought to you by MyBookie. Say it with me now. Sports are back, baby. I've been waiting for this day since March, and now that it's here, I've got only one thing on my mind, my bookie. My bookie is a home run, slam dunk, triple overtime, game-winning shot, all wrapped into one. I love it, you love it, and that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. My bookie has up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams, and with the start of the NBA playoffs, there's never been a better time to start playing. Also, there's never been a better time to start booking odds on who's going to be the next coach of the Chicago Bulls. I don't know if they have that at MyBookie, but I bet they might. With MyBookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Feeling good about your MLB team's chances this year? If you're a Cubs or a White Sox fan, I'd certainly hope so. Be sure to check out MyBookie's World Series future bets. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season's even begun. 
But why stop with baseball? Smart bettors are always looking towards the future. And in this case, that means basketball, hockey, hopefully the Blackhawks, if you're listening to this, have survived Game 5 against the Golden Knights, and football, if football even happens. MyBookie is already accepting bets on all your favorite NBA, NHL, and NFL games. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. Join today and MyBookie will match your deposit 100%, plus they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. Hey, I'm probably going to bet that on the White Sox when they're facing Spencer Turnbull and the Tigers, or maybe I'll bet that on the White Sox when they're facing the Pirates. I think White Sox-Pirates is probably a pretty smart bet. All you got to do is enter promo code HOOPBALL, that's all caps, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L when signing up. Remember at MyBookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. Also want to remind you that support for HoopBall is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water-resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. Ooh, that's appealing. And one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming experience. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Oh, you gotta love that. Show your motor off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. All right, welcome back here on the HoopBall Chicago Bulls podcast. We are here with Dead Prez of the Pulling Back the Curtain podcast and of his brand new show, The Bear Essentials, covering the Chicago Bears. I was really thinking that if the Bulls had made this move earlier to fire Boylan, that Adrian Griffin, because he was Arturis Karnishevis's college teammate, he was going to be the guy. All of the allegations now that have come out from his ex-wife about the domestic abuse allegations, whether they're true or not, I don't feel like the Bulls can go anywhere near him at this point. Do you agree? I definitely agree. I think uh, Griff, before this situation and these allegations, I thought he was one of the, the front runners for this position. At this point, no, man, you, you stay away from that guy. Whether it's true or not, those allegations, those are just tough things to hear. And uh, you just don't want that anywhere near this franchise. We need someone that's going to come in and have a, not only a good reputation, but someone that's well-respected around the league. So, And not that I'm saying Griff's not, but this is just a tough situation, and I just think they should stay far away from it. I agree, and it's too bad because I feel like he was one of the most NBA-ready head coaches that there was out there. Everybody in Toronto thought that he would get a head job. And I think where the Bulls really benefited from – in regards to how long they waited, is that the New York Knicks vetted about, it seems like, 12 different candidates, and they end up hiring Tom Thibodeau, which 
I feel like they will be competitive in time, but obviously Tibbs was not going to come back to the Bulls. And the one worry that I had is that they were going to snatch up Ime Udoka, and Griffin was not a guy that it seemed like the Knicks were interested in. So I guess Udoka is the first best candidate from a lot of people's eyes, but the names that I've heard been thrown around in terms of first-time guys. We hear Wes Unsell Jr. in Denver, a guy that Karnishevis is very familiar with. We hear Darvin Ham from Milwaukee, who has been a stud assistant under Jeff Budenholzer. I've even heard Kenny Atkinson thrown out there, and that's an interesting decision because I felt like the Nets were going to be with him long-term. So if you're in the driver's seat, Prez, who is the guy that you're going after right now? Is it still Udoka? Yeah, it's still Udoka. Um, I think just coming from that Popovich uh, tree, um, it's just that's invaluable. I think that's going to bring a lot of what we need to add to this culture here in Chicago that we're lacking. Um, his defensive schemes, I think, are just top-notch, but he's well-respected around the league. And the way that the NBA shift is now – a lot of players want to play for those former players. And Udoka, I think, around the league is very well respected, and he's someone that I just have a ton of respect for. Here's the one thing that I'm actually a little bit worried about in terms of getting Udoka. And hear me out on this because I think this is a viable possibility. The 76ers got whipped last night by the Boston Celtics in game one of their playoff series. I actually do some work as an editor on a Philadelphia 76ers podcast on a different network. If the Sixers are non-competitive, there is a chance that Brett Brown gets fired. And Udoka has enough respect there to where I wouldn't be surprised if they promote him internally. So to you, do you find that to be a concern? Or do you feel like if they do move on from Brett Brown, that Philadelphia is going to move outside of the organization to find their next head man. You know what, Greg, that's a really good point. Um, the one thing that that has concerned me with that Brett Brown situation, because let's just be honest, there's something strange going on in Philadelphia. Every since Butler left, there's just always been something there. And that, and that whole Embiid-Simmons combination, just there's just something wrong with that whole team there. I honestly think that uh, Udoka – probably would not be their first choice. I don't think they would look for him. I think they would look for someone outside of the organization. That's just the way that I see it. I feel like there's a lot of things that are going on with that 76 situation that they'll, they'll probably come out one of these days. We're here with Dead Prez from the Pulling Back the Curtain podcast and Dabera Essentials talking a little Chicago Bulls coaching here on the Hoopball Chicago Bulls podcast. Appreciate him taking some time on a Tuesday afternoon. Prez, I'm thinking about where Karnishevis comes from and where Eversley comes from and the fact that they want a player's coach and a player's first organization. And I feel like having a first-time head coach is going to be somebody that is going to be a player's first coach. You can't just necessarily hire somebody that has been out there for a while. And the thing is, is that if you're looking at quote-unquote, retread candidates, and I say that not to be uh, insulting of them. You've got Kenny Atkinson, who I was very surprised got fired in Brooklyn, and that's a guy that people think is a really good developmental coach. But 
let's just be honest. You can blame Kyrie Irving for that one because everywhere, no Kyrie, everywhere <laughs> Kyrie goes, he seems to burn it to the ground. You've got Mike D'Antoni potentially available if the Rockets don't renew his contract. I personally want no part of that. This is not a guy that I feel like can actually win you a championship. He can get you very close, and then that's it. Yeah. I think that Alvin Gentry got a raw deal in New Orleans, but he's already been a head coach twice. I feel like he's better as a top assistant at this point in his career. Mike Brown is probably going to get an interview or two. I imagine if there are some more openings, but Mike Brown is also one of those guys that is not necessarily looking to leave Golden State. He's got a really good situation, and I think he's shown what his ceiling is as a head coach. I also forgot another assistant that the Bulls are considering is Steven Silas, the son of former NBA head coach Paul Silas. If you were to get a head coach that has been a head coach previous, oh, David Fisdale, who I felt like got a really raw deal in New York. You also got Mike Woodson out there, who the Knicks interviewed again. Who would be that guy that if you were to bring in a veteran head coach, who would you bring in? I think I would go with Atkinson. Um, I love that culture that he created in, uh, with the Nets. He had those guys playing very hard. I mean, and look at the way that they competed there in that bubble. And I know that that has a lot to do with what uh, uh, Vaughn's done with the team. But you can still see some of Atkinson's fingerprints on the way that that team competes. Um, I really love the way he coaches. Look at what happened with that Nets team before he got there. I mean, they were dreadful. He got them into a more, playing more of a competitive style, and I just love everything that that Brooklyn Nets culture is all about. And it doesn't surprise me that, that Kyrie, um, you know, forced them out of there because, you know, Kyrie wants to run the show out there in, in Brooklyn. But Atkinson would be my guy if they were to go after, you know, one of those coaches on that list that you, that you mentioned. How big of an influence do you feel like the current players are going to have in this decision? Because I feel like if you're AK – and Eversley, and you've promised a player's first organization, there's got to be some dialogue between at least them and the players about the candidates that they're interviewing. Because you can't just do what the previous regime did, bring in a head assistant that replaces the current coach like they did from Hoiberg to Boylan, and then just empower this guy to be a militant. I don't think that's going to be the case, but I feel like if you're committed to this core of players for the foreseeable future, you know, give and take a couple of additions, you're going to have to get input from the players in regards to who you hire. Well, the one thing that I see about there is there's no untouchable on this roster. So while I think a guy like Zach Levine, you'll have to maybe listen a little bit to what, you know, he feels about the coach. I think uh, AK is going to have to just go in and make this decision based on his overarching view for where he sees the future of this team. And it seems like he wants to get this team back into championship contention. I really loved hearing how fired up he got when he was watching some of the last dance stuff. And he said he went out and he made some of those uh, higher decisions up for the team. But for me, I just feel like he's got to make this decision based on where he sees this thing going. While I do think it'd be nice and ideal maybe to involve some of these players, let's be honest. Uh, these players haven't exactly done much in the league for, I think that they should have, too much of an opinion and it seems like they did listen to the guys when it came to boiling and, and you know maybe some of their feedback towards him as a coach but I think going forward I think they're gonna have to just do what they see best for the direction of the organization 
There is some uncertainty, in my opinion, about when the next season starts. The NBA bubble, the finals are going to be over October 12th if there is a game seven of the finals. And the next season, I don't see the next season starting until 2021, and there may be no fans in the stands then. So whoever the Bulls bring in, they're going to have a lot of time to try and develop a culture before they even hit the floor. That's why I think you've got to hit it out of the park with this hire and why this was the right time to move on from Boylan because realistically, the Bulls are not going to play another game for at least at this point for at least another six months, and they haven't played a game since March. They may not play an NBA basketball game for 10 months, which is unreal. But if you bring somebody in – that starts to develop that culture and develop the core that you have, you're going to be able to be one step ahead of everybody else going into next year. And think about a team like the Warriors, who is a perennial contender. They lost Steph for most of the year. They lost Clay for the entire year. They're not in the bubble. That's a team that made five straight finals. They're going to be back and ready to roll come next season. So while you're disappointed that you're not in the bubble, you weren't going to be competitive, and now with a new coach and an established group of guys, the Bulls are going to be something to be reckoned with, I feel like. If not as an elite team, obviously they're nowhere near that point, but as a team that could su- surprise some people next year. Yeah, uh, Greg, I'm very excited about the future of this team now that we've moved on from Boylan because you brought up a really good point. We do have some good potential building blocks within the organization. But I'm really curious to see what AK is going to be able to do because we saw what he did in Denver. And you look at the way that that Denver team is also competing in that bubble. That team is basically, it just gives you so much excitement watching them. And it really makes me invigorated to just think of what he could do with the Bulls over the next two to three seasons with this core and what he could do once he gets his fingerprints on this roster. I see the Denver Nuggets as what the Bulls should be. And people talk about your top teams in the West, the Lakers and the Clippers. Most of those teams were built from the outside. The Clippers a little bit more internally than the Lakers. But the Denver Nuggets have been a contender each of the last two years. Everything that they did was internal. Now, they did trade Nurkic away, but they kept Jokic. They have a stud point guard in Jamal Murray. Gary Harris is a really good guard. Like, they have just developed a ton of players. I know they added Paul Millsap in from the outside. That is what I envisioned the Bulls being when they hired Arturis Karnishevis. So, when I look at what the Bulls are going to be doing down the line, there gives me a lot of hope that it's going to be Nuggets 2.0, which I think that Denver team is going to end up in the NBA Finals at some point in the next couple of years in the Western Conference. And not to mention, one of the reasons why Wes Unsell Jr.'s name is being brought up is that he is a big assistant on that Mike Malone staff, somebody that Karnishevis has familiarity with. If they can't get Udoka and Udoka ends up taking over for Brett Brown, if Brown is fired, I wouldn't be surprised if that's your next guy up. And that's a good point, too, because uh, not only you mentioned the fact that basically AK has familiarity with this guy, he's well-respected around the league. I was looking at his resume, and I was like, 
wow, not only, you know, obviously the bloodline with, with uh, Unsealed, but just the, the number of organizations that he's been a part of and the fact of the success that he's been able to have with mentoring and, and getting a lot of these players developed on that roster. So I think that could be a very intriguing uh, choice. Final question here for you, Dead Prez, here on the Hoopball Chicago Bulls podcast. Appreciate your time this afternoon. Everybody brings up Spurs assistant Becky Hammond as being probably the first female NBA head coach in the history of the league. I feel like it's going to happen sooner than later. It's a Popovich bloodline. She's very well respected by everybody in that organization. Do you think there's a chance that the Bulls, as an out-of-the-box hire, I know because her name hasn't been mentioned, does Becky Hammond get a look? I think she should. Um, I even like the fact that Pop has let her actually coach a couple games there in the bubble. Um, I think it's going to be a matter of time before she does get her shot, but I think the Bulls should look at her. I mean, I think if AK is uh, the progressive but also person that I think will basically look at every avenue before making a decision, I don't see why he wouldn't reach out and just maybe pick her brain and just get her thoughts. Even if it's a situation where maybe they don't look to hire her, at least he can get more insight into that mindset of what they're doing out there in San Antonio. And so it's always good to maybe even do it from a strategic standpoint. But I think she's definitely someone that is going to be on the radar here, whether it's this uh, upcoming season or next season for one of these uh, openings. We really appreciate your time, Dead President. I want to give you a little plug for DeBear Essentials podcast, the new Chicago Bears podcast that you've started. Man, I cannot believe that NFL training camp is already here. The Bears have a quarterback competition. Thank goodness. Let's not go into the fact that they could have signed Cam Newton for nothing instead of <laughs> trading a fourth-round pick for Nick Foles. But, hey, I think this is a make-or-break year for the Pace and Nagy regime. Uh, give a little plug for your podcast and uh, your thoughts on, on what the Bears, you know, knock on wood if there is an NFL season, because obviously, in, in my opinion, that's not a guarantee at this point. You know, what, uh, what you're expecting out of the Bears this year? Well, I'll just say this, Greg. I'm very excited about this competition. I still think that Mitch will be the week one starter. Oh! I, I, I really do. I, I think when I look at it, I see that Brian Pace – his whole career and everything is basically is going to be on the back of Mitch Trubisky. So the organization still is going to give Mitch every opportunity to win that starting job. And I think that when you see Nick Foles, Nick Foles knows that offense very well. He has familiarity with that coaching staff. So he's going to be there for that insurance policy. And I really think that he's mostly there just to get uh, some fire lit under Mitch. But as far as the upcoming season, I do think that if we can get that quarterback situation shored up, that defense is going to return back to being a top five defense. We have Hakeem Hicks is going to be coming back. We signed Robert Quinn in the offseason. We're going to see Khalil Mack get maybe more opportunities to be lined up one-on-one instead of the double and triple teams that he's seen in the past. So that gets me really excited for this season. And I really just hope that Nagy, can get away from more of that stubborn play calling that he had last season. And Greg, I know you probably feel the same way. There were so many games where I was like, Nagy, just run the ball, please. <laughs> um, but if we could just get him to just compliment that defense, I don't see any reason why we can't get back to being a 10 win season, a 10 win team and get back in the playoffs. I agree with you wholeheartedly there. And the thing that really frustrated me about a lot of Nagy's play calling from last year Tariq Cohen is too small to be a regular down running back. You've got to commit to David Montgomery. 
You know, I know he loves that little hezzy move, yep. but David Montgomery's <laughs> got to get better, and Tariq Cohen's got to go back to being that gadget player that he was in the first year. Tariq Cohen is not an every-down back. He is, at least in my opinion, the offensive Devin Hester of the modern age. He's not a guy you can really use on every play, but if you use him in the right spots, he's the most lethal player on the field. You get him in open space. The other thing that I think is really big for the Bears, you've got to develop a number two receiver after Allen Robinson. I feel like Allen Robinson is basically the only secure target that you have if you're a Bears quarterback. The tight end situation, you've shored that up a little bit. I don't know what to think about Jimmy Graham. I really like Cole Komet. I think that he is going to end up being a really good player. Uh, Dwayne Harris, who they got from the Packers, I think has a chance to be an impactful player. I, I just, you know, Jimmy Graham to me, just too much money for a guy that can't block. Nope. Uh, well, let's, let's hope for good times down at Soldier Field if we get those times. And uh, Prez, I, I'm looking forward to listening to the podcast. I love, you know, true Bears fans going off and, and talking about the greatest team in Chicagoland. I love the bulls, but you yes. know, if you give me to pick one, I'm, I'm heading down to soldier field before I go to the United center. That's right. Bear down all the way. And I'm, I'm definitely very excited. And I'm definitely looking to have you on, um, on, on one of the episodes so that way we can chop it up and talk some bears uh, football. I love the sound of that dead prez, everybody of the bear essentials podcast and the pulling back the curtain podcast. Thanks for listening to another episode of the hoop ball, Chicago bulls podcast. Have a great day, and as always, Go Bulls! This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.